when I last spoke, it was roughly July the 20-something. And I said then that I was going to start a whole theme that's going to go on and on and on. And uh, before I move on to part two, I want to ask you the question, what do you remember from anything that I shared or even that you remember from what God said to you when I shared last time? And you could just shout out or um, I'll come up with the mic if you want to speak into the mic. So it's teacher's time. Okay, class. How much do you remember? Absolutely anything. You see, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of remembrance. And it's really crucial remembering stuff. Because we cannot get by in this life without remembering a whole load of stuff. But in our Christian walk especially, we need to remember, 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 because it keeps us on track. So you've had about 30 seconds to think. Any thoughts? Alan? All right, then, that's fine. Go on, shout out. It's time to stop. Sorry. It's time to no longer put up with stuff that we've put up with for too long. Okay, good. I like that. That was definitely something from here that I was carrying that we've got to decide there's more. There's more because it says so here. Okay, anything else you remember? Holy Spirit, come on. Anything at all. What did I do? I did some things. I had some visual aids. What? Maybe some, some of you weren't here, admittedly, that's fair enough. Okay, I had some of that sticky stuff. Do you remember? That wasn't very sticky, unfortunately. That stuff that grows in the woods that you kind of get stuck to. And as kids, we used to throw at one another. And it used to stick on me. Get off. And you find it weeks later in your socks. And that was all about the name Freedom Church. It stuck to us. We're not going to forget. It's going to be there in our face all the time. We're not going to get away from that label, if you like. God has labeled us with something. But it's a great blessing because he wants us to remember freedom is what Christ died for to bring us. Okay. Can anybody remember anything else? Cool. You'll have to go back and listen because I ain't going to recap it all. Okay. I actually set some homework. We might come to that later. We will see. Okay. Essentially, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Okay. Galatians 5 verse 1. We are free, but are we experiencing that freedom? That's where I'm coming from. That is this journey that I want us, us to process on, if you like. Um. In the Gospel of John, chapter 8, 31 to 32, you can look that up. It's good if you have these amazing things with you today. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, there's a lot to that. I'm not going to unpick it, but you can go and have a look at that. There's a process in all of that. There are conditions involved in that. Um, and all my talks and instruction, picking up from Ben's bit, 
are with the purpose of helping us to know absolutely the freedom we have in Christ and to help us on the journey of living in the fullness of it. Because if we're not living in the fullness, what can we bring others into other than what we're living in? And this is a supernatural book. But what makes it different? It's when it's activated by flesh and blood. And then it's like Blackpool Illuminations. It's phenomenal. Okay. So, we're on a journey. It's not a one-night wonder. Okay? It's a process. And the Lord wants to lead us in it. And he will take us at our pace. He's a great dad. As fast or as slow as we can go. Okay? Now, I'm just going to read something. This is a wonderful book. And nobody can borrow it. Okay? You can come to my house and read it, but you're not taking it out of my hands. I don't know when it was printed. It was before dates were put in books. But it's, it's over... 70, possibly 80 years old or older. And it's called 1,000 Wonderful Things About the Bible. It's absolutely fascinating. But the beginning is this. And I just wanted to read this because, well, it will speak for itself. But it carries a heart. I might read it every time I preach because, well, you'll see. I want you to just receive this now. Just open your heart. Let the Holy Spirit just marinate more of what this is speaking of in your own heart and walk with God. It states, this book contains, referring to the Bible, the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. It's a big word. I'm not too sure about that one, but you could look it up in the dictionary. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. And practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you. Food to support, support you and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map. The pilgrim's staff. The pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, too, heaven is opened and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. It is the word of our God, which shall stand forever. Oh, wonderful. Do you want to read it after reading, listening to that? The heart of what I'm saying is in here. 
This is our guide, our manual. You know, if I was running out of a burning house, the one thing I'd want to take with me is, you know, what specific thing? You know, people ask that, don't you? If you were in a burning house, what three things would you take with you? You know, what are your values? Well, I would take this because this is life. This is the sword of the word. It's living and active, dynamic and powerful. And you know, there is no replacing opening it and reading it. You may well know it and you may well have read it many times, but there is no replacing putting it before your eyes. And I want to encourage you, there is power on a daily basis when you do that. It brings life. And there is a battle to get to it. You know, distractions and, oh, I haven't got time, I've got to rush out and so on and so forth. Anyway... This truth is what makes us different from the world. When we became Christians, we became spiritual beings, alive to God, alive to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what marks us out as different in this world. And it is the word in our mouth which holds power to change our situations and circumstances, or at least to change how we deal with them. So this is the ongoing theme I'm going to carry on helping and encouraging us in as we learn how to live in the fullness of what Jesus came to do for us. And you know, I have found it so hard preparing the last talk and this talk, because it's like, God, where do I start? There are so many wonderful ways in which we can apprehend this word. And it's like, there are, it's like God has given this roadmap and there are all manners of different routes in. It's like, it's not some secret passage you've got to find somewhere. He wants to open the door here and 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 there and there and there and there. There are so many ways in. And he wants to encourage us with that. It's not meant to be hidden from you. And in fact, Bill Johnson talks about things that are hidden were hidden because they were meant to be discovered. If you start looking, you'll find it. And that's the glory of man to discover a thing. So where shall we begin then? Let's start in the Old Testament. I'm just going to pick out a principle for us today. And I'm hoping it's going to help us. Okay, jump into Joshua chapter 6. Joshua is in the Old Testament. It's about a man called Joshua and his adventures of going into the promised land that God had promised beforehand. And it had become full of people that didn't belong there. So, we'll start at verse 1. And we'll stop at verse 1. Now, Jericho, now this was a city was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. How do you think they knew that? This isn't a difficult question, by the way. How do you think they knew the place was holed up, shored up, if you like? The spies, perhaps, yeah? Somebody said it over here. They could see it. It was quite obvious. We can see the place is locked up, shut up. We can see it. Nobody's going in and nobody's coming out. Something's going on here. 
Okay, so what does it say next? And the Lord said to Joshua, See, everybody say, see. Was that everybody? Let's hear it again. See. See. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Okay. Pause there. Hmm. Now, knowing what I know about Joshua, I think he responded in the right way. But just imagine for a moment, if it was you or I, God says to you, See, Stu, I have given into your hands Jericho and its mighty men of valor. Hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I can see from here Jericho is not in my hand. We're here, and Jericho is most definitely over there and not in my hand. Okay. In the natural realm, absolutely. That was what he could see. So God's saying, see, and thinking, how do I see that? Hmm, interesting. But God was calling him to see beyond the natural. Okay, it's not rocket science. He didn't want Joshua to stick with his five senses. He wanted him to launch into a place where God sees. God is looking for partnership. Okay, he wants us to be like him. So God says this first, see, and then the Lord goes on to give Joshua a plan. This is what you're to do. This is your action plan. Okay, and just to summarize and cut it short for those who don't know, he was commanded to walk around the walls of Jericho for seven days. And on the seventh day, well, not you know, to do it once every day. And on the seventh day, to do it seven times. And at the sound of the trumpet, they were to shout. I don't know, what were they to shout? Did it say? I'm not sure. Let's have a look. Let's see. No, no, no. Oh, yes, and take up the Ark of the Covenant. There was a plan. Okay. It was quite specific what they had to do. Now, Joshua could have balked at what God said and withdrawn. No, 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 no. That's ridiculous. But if you read the story, you find Joshua did exactly what God said. And sure enough, the walls came tumbling down. And it's interesting that archaeological surveys or whatever believe they have found um, the walls of Jericho. And it's interesting because the way the walls have fallen is not according to nature. I can't think whether it imploded or something. I can't, there was something remarkable. That it just, it, the walls didn't fall the way you'd expect them to fall. It's because God did it. Must have been an incredible sight. I think they might have jumped back. Look out, boys! The wall's coming down! So, the walls came down. And they went up and took the city. Okay, let's jump on to chapter 8. Turn over a page or so, or flick down, scroll down. Now then, they've got Josh, um, Jericho, and now they're moving on to another city. But there's been a bit of trouble in the camp, and starting at verse 1, God speaks to them, and they need a bit of encouragement. So God has to say something. So, verse 1, chapter 8. Now the Lord said to Joshua... Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. So they've had a bit of a downtime. It goes on and says, Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, 
Everybody say C. Hmm, there's a theme coming out here. I have given into your hand the king of Ai and its people, his city and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. And so on and so forth. So God's at it again. See, not with the natural eye, but with the eye of the spirit. And this time the plan was quite different. He had to do a different thing. He had to set up an ambush. We could just pick a formula, couldn't we? God isn't into formulas or formulae, sorry. He wants to do all this out of relationship. He wants us to listen to him. He wants us to see, but he also wants us to listen. He wants us to see that God has given us ground. Then he wants us to listen, see how do we then take that? It is ours. The burden that's on my heart is to say we have the authority in God. We have the right to make a claim. We have a right to stand in that spiritual realm, in the invisible world, and expect changes to be manifest in the real actual world. Well, actually, the real actual world is actually the more so the invisible. Anyway, don't get into that. It's too complicated. Physics and all that. Really, we need to understand what it means for us. How does it make a difference for my life? How can I see the things, the stuff of my life change so that I can be living in more of what the Bible promises me? The Old Testament has been given to us in order to teach us and give us examples to help us live in this Christian life. So we want to take something from Joshua. Now, he's not saying go out and beat up all the enemies of God and smite them. No, we live in a different era. But we're going to take some of the principles out of Joshua. But I want us to jump into John in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. I've been reading this lately, and you know, it's so rich. What did they say? Read the red and pray for power. In my Bible, all the words of Jesus are in red, and it's like you could just read the red, and it's like, wow. Get that. It's fantastic. I think God's trying to underscore something. Um, our cat is a bit of a naughty monkey, and she was climbing over some stuff. And it was a pile of stuff, and one was my Bible, and everything slid off and tore the pages of my Bible. At John 14. It's interesting there because years and years ago, I dropped my Bible in the snow and it fell open at John 14. If anybody knows John 14, it's very much about our relationship and our abiding in Jesus. He wants us to live day by day, heartbeat by heartbeat. That's a bit of a tall order, isn't it? But he's got a heart for us. He is with us and we just need to become more aware of his presence and his activity with us day by day. We're going to read the first nine verses of John 14. It's about seeing him. So Jesus starts in this chapter as a continuation of the previous bit. But anyway, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me as well. 
In my father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't the case, I'd have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. I'm looking forward to that. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I will receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be as well. And where I go, you know, and you know the way. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, you'd have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. You can imagine the exasperation in the minds of the disciples. They're not renewed it. They haven't received the Holy Spirit in the opening of eyes. And Philip said, but Lord, show us the Father and that'll do. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you haven't known me, Philip. Have we been with Jesus so long? And we still don't recognize his voice, his prompting, his nudge, his encouragement. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is saying, see me. See me in All Saints School, Richmond Hill. See me in the streets of East End Park. See me in your daily work. See me. And it's more than that as well. It's actually see or you could just put believe in that place of that word. Believe that what he says is true. Even if our circumstances appear to say the opposite. You know, Jesus has done these amazing things and he's had to say to them, well, can't you believe on the basis of what I've done? You know, we, we take it as a given, don't we? Jesus, yeah, son of God, amazing savior. Yeah, yeah, of course he's Jesus. Well, he was a man. He was an ordinary guy, apart from the fact that he was extraordinary. <laughs> but he was flesh and blood and he walked amongst them and he blew his nose and, and tripped over and grazed his knee and went, oh, that hurts, like you and I would. And his supernatural deity was veiled. But it says in the Bible, anyone who turns to the Lord, when they turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And it's so easy to get into a Christian life. A pattern, a format. Well, I know the stuff. I've got memory verses. I know. And that can become powerless. Because we have to continue to turn to the Lord. Remember his personage. He is a being. He is somebody you can talk to. And he wants to communicate back to you. And he wants us to understand his, his humanity is with us, if you like. And he is walking with us. Um, and I'm sure we've all experienced that. I'm not saying that we haven't. I want to encourage us that... His livingness is right with us. Okay? And when we come together, we are more than the sum of our parts. If you add us all up and put us on a weighing scale, actually we'd weigh more 
than we actually weigh individually all added up, if that makes sense. Because Jesus is with us. There's an additional factor. It'd be interesting to do that experiment, wouldn't it? I wonder if it'd really happen. But Jesus is really here with us. And we have to work with that and think, this time together is charged. What could God do? Well, God could do absolutely anything. But do you know what he chooses to do? He chooses to limit himself to us. You know, in the Old Testament, when Solomon prayed and the temple was filled with glory, whoa, so much so that the priests couldn't minister. They were on their faces. Imagine that happening here. I was like, whoa. The hair would stand on end and you'd be like, heebie-jeebies. I remember being terrified about going to a John Wimber conference. I was right at the back of it. I'm not going, don't put your hands on me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. Scary stuff. I'm up for it now. I tell you, you can get enough. God wants us to dismantle the barriers that we have in our thinking that we don't even realize are there sometimes. Sometimes it's caused by fear or doubt or just God wouldn't do that here, would he? But actually, he wants to. He wants to ignite a fire in our hearts and lives so that people are streaming through this door on a Sunday when we come, that there aren't enough chairs for everybody to sit on, that there's standing room only. And I I am not speaking idle words. This is the fact, the facts of the matter. As we are diligent to say, Father, I hear you are saying something about this here about our experience, that this is related to here and now, and that you want to do something real. You have a power, God, to heal people. You have a power to change situations. You have a power to close doors and to open doors. You have power to move in Syria this morning as we pray, that a life can be touched, lives can be touched, bullets can be moved, deflected, lives can be saved, because the church stands in the gap and power is broken in from heaven. We are connected to heaven And the devil wants to throw over us a shroud of blindness. And it will sit there if we let it. And we have to recognize when that's happening. And we have to throw it off and say, get off me. Stop it. Push off. I'm sure. Have I told you the story? Yes, I have. Answer my question. I'll tell it again. When I was a very newish believer and I hadn't had a lot of teaching hadn't had a lot of church or stuff Um, I ended up with a watery eye one particular day and it was really embarrassing I was only about 17 it was embarrassing at school my eye kept weeping every time I looked over there my eye would start streaming I was like stop look over this way it's not gonna happen doing it again and it went on the whole day and I was just getting ready for bed, sat on my bed, and was just chatting to God. And I'd been praying, Lord, I just really ask you to take this away. It would be, please heal my eye. Amen, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. It's still happening, it's still happening. And I just lost it. I just got really cross. And I just said, in Jesus' name, go away! And it instantly stopped. And I was absolutely horrified that I'd committed the, un- the terrible sin, the unforgivable sin. I was like, oh my goodness, what? 
There's power. Suddenly, something had happened. I had tapped into something that was always there. But for some reason, I wasn't operating in it. But something of anger, anger's a sin. It isn't, actually. It's a created emotion by God. It's what we do with it and how we channel it. It's the challenge. But there's something about holy, righteous indignation. And when you read this, you start to see, hang on a minute. I'm reading the small print here. And it actually says, devil, that you owe me something. I'm having it back, mate. You've been robbing off me. Now, I'm not proposing that you go into battle with the devil. That is not. He's just, Jesus has taken care of him. Our goal is to fix our eyes on Jesus. To see what the small print says and go back to the Father in the courts of heaven and say, Father, I've discovered a truth. I want my life back. I want my health back. I want my money back. I want my power back. I want what it says in here is mine to have. And when you think what Jesus suffered to bring us into... When you meditate, when you, you know, we saw The Passion of the Christ, that film when it came out, and it was all the rage. and It was gory, and it was horrible, and it was dirty and messy. It was like that. It was pretty horrible. You know, if it was my son going through that, I don't have any biological children, so it's difficult for me to relate, but I can imagine the pain it must be. when, If you imagine that was your son going through that. <sighs> We don't want Jesus to have suffered in vain. That we get to glory and we've missed the promises. We've missed the truths. I mean, God ain't going to condemn us at all. He wants to bring us into life and he's wanting to encourage us now. It's for you now, not just in the by and by. It's heaven on earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Thank you for that prompt. Here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it's a reality. It's a truth. It's not just with caveats. Well, maybe on a good day when the wind's behind me. No, every single day. This is God's desire for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And it's for us to take this. I'm conscious I could go on and I can't because of time. And I want us to pray. I want us to do work with God. I want us to engage with him. I want us to say, I want what it is I'm kind of daring to believe could maybe slightly, if possibly could be true and could be a reality. I want us to translate that thing out there that dare we even hope for that let alone believe it but actually the reality is it is the reality do you remember a number of months definitely possibly years I brought a word to us about the ship in dry dock I didn't have time to get the pictures up. And God showed me that at that point in time, we were a ship in dry dock. We weren't actually 
fulfilling our destiny to be out on the waters, to be out on the oceans. And it was time to launch. Well, we have gone through the launching. We've gone through the birthing channel. We are launched into a sea of humanity around here. And there were lots of analogies around all that. You know, we had to say goodbye to the way we used to do things. That was there for a season and a purpose of preparation. And now, actually, it's all hands on deck. Climb aboard, everybody. Get on the decks. Everybody has a role, a function, something to do. We're now in that place. We are going up and down. Up. Side. Side. Well, actually, I want to go forwards, really. That's what I want. But to go forwards, it's about the stuff I've been talking about. It's remembering we are a people of purpose and destiny. And we have to put markers down and remember where those markers are. Remember what those markers stand for, which is why I'm here this morning. I'm reminding you. Remember what God has spoken. Because our eyes dip down. It's hard to keep our heads up. When you're standing on parade, not that I've ever done it, but you can start to slouch because gravity is continually pulling you down. And there is a spiritual gravity. And we have to learn, lift up our head, look to the horizon. Remember, that's where we're heading. Head up. Come on, head up. To see change and to see lives transformed in this community is going to mean us doing things in a different way, recognizing I'm going to have to adjust. I'm going to have to change. We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to discipline ourselves to say, Father, we're asking for this. You know, Jesus said, my commandments are not burdensome. It is not meant to be arduous, struggle, wearying, heavy, there are elements of that. And also the enemy will come in and try and put it on you. He says, oh, it's too hard. There's God stuff in it. Don't bother. Jesus has provided the Holy Spirit as a river. We, we sung about the river. There was something I can't remember. But it's, it's an ever-flowing river. It doesn't end. And we've got to be in that place of the river. It's the river that is our supply. The river that is our, our, our empowerment. That is what makes us different compared to anybody else of humanity. It's the river. It's we have connected with the eternal source. So we have to remember why we're here, why God has brought us here. We have to be releasing our faith. Say, okay, Father, keep tilling the soil of my heart and my faith to just be expectant that we're going to see people born again in this community, that I'm going to have a part to play in that, however scary that might feel, that we all have a place to play, a part to play, a pl and a place to be. I was going to get into stuff, you know, the stuff that gets in the way, but I'm not going to do that this morning. But what I do want us to do is to recognize if for us stuff is hindering pulling us back, limiting. And I want us to just make a response to God. He sees our hearts. But I want us to do it 
with an action. I want you to come forward if you want to come and be prayed with. And I want people to pray with people, if that makes sense. I've got some bread and some wine in this bag, if you wonder what it was. (laughs) And there is power in doing this. And I, I want to encourage those of us who feel... I need to do something more concrete. I need to seal this step about moving forward, about renewing my dedication to the word of God or prayer or faith or just shaking off some stuff. And as we pray this morning, I I want a supernatural exchange. I want something to happen for you, for me. I want this life. God has entrusted to us a heritage of his son. We have the inheritance, but it's not just for us, it's for the whole world. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we we love. love.